there's going to be a plethora of topics to talk about today from the past week, including Donald Trump's love of tariffs. He just signed the tariffs into place with few exceptions last night. Also last night, big news broke out potentially about South Korea, North Korea, Kim Jong-un. It, it was like, it, it literally was a bombshell. And I, I have cautious optimism, but we're going to explain more of it later in the episode. Updates in the Mueller investigation. Austin Peterson got banned from Facebook. Austin Peterson, you remember him, the libertarian presidential candidate. He got banned from Facebook. Temporarily suspended. Why? Oh, I'll tell you why. All this and a little more is coming up. This is Fritzcast. It's Friday, March 9th, 2018. And it is indeed another week and another edition of the Fritzcast. How is everybody doing out there in Fritzlandia? That's what you are. You are Fritzlandians, and this is Fritzlandia. This is my kingdom. My kingdom for a podcast. And you are Fritzonians. Not not subjects of Fritz, but you are rather colleagues of mine on a journey through the political landscape of America. It is it is that that, that was pretty deep, wasn't it? That was that was deep. We've had a, a wacky well, I had a wacky week. I I know. <laughs> Let me try picking different words instead of saying the same old words every week. Um, I worked three overtimes this week. Yesterday, Wednesday, and Monday were my overtimes. So, on top of all that, I somehow had succumbed to illness, which is, is a rarity for me. I got hit with some kind of head cold. Which uh, attacked my throat and sinuses, and um, and pretty much made me feel like death warmed over for a couple days. Like all this past week, honestly, waking up with that super dry, sore throat, um, stuffed up nose. Now my nose is free flowing, like Niagara Falls, um, which I guess is good. I guess it means I'm getting over it, and the uh, the mucus is clear. It's not, you know, so that eh, was probably way too much information. You guys probably didn't even want to know that, which is fine. It, but it attacked my voice too, so now I'm, you know, on lower octaves only. Um, if I get angered by something, and let me just give you a let me just give you a spoiler alert. I'm going to get angry about something. Um, uh, my screaming might be off pitch. Uh, my voice might be crackling, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. You're gonna have to get get through it like I'm getting through it. But three overtimes in in a week. I mean, like literally, I try to think of the uh, list of accomplishments that I got done this week, and that list of accomplishments is non-existent. I, I you get nothing done. Today is the get shit done day, where I I record the podcast. I do some stuff at home. And um, and pretty much my slate today is to, to record the podcast, do some stuff at home, but hit that couch. That couch out there looks mighty comfy right now. So that might have I might have a date with that couch and the Nintendo Switch, which which by the way, just yesterday Nintendo came out 
at an event called Nintendo Direct where they announced a lot of different stuff coming up for the Switch and for the 3DS. And, uh, and if you didn't watch my blog or if you missed my blog, which you might have, I can see how you missed my blog. My blog post this week on fritzcast.wordpress.com was all about my experience with the Nintendo Switch and how much I think that that system has great potential, definitely way more potential than the Wii or the Wii U ever did, and blows both of those systems out of the water. So I'm, I, I have very high hopes for what is in store for the Nintendo Switch. And I'm hoping that that holds true. So, I, got, I mean, that there was that yesterday. I got to catch a little bit of that. And, you know, Super Smash Brothers. Excited. Excited for some of that stuff. Um, also, this week, uh, it's, of course, it's March. I told you it's March 9th. But um, just two days ago, it, it snowed here in Delaware. It snowed uh, somewhere in the 6 to 8 inches range of snow. And was coming down heavy and wet and fast to the degree that it created a plethora of issues. Uh, driving midday, even. And so that was fun. But I was at work. I was at work, and I missed the worst brunts of that storm being at work. And on top of all of that, on top of that, the, the, the storms this week and working on the overtime, the third bedroom in which we were Working on the floor, we ripped up the subflooring in about half of it. So half of my third bedroom just has a freaking hole in the floor. There's just a giant hole in the floor. I'm standing on support beams and slats looking down at two and a half inches of standing water in my crawl space. And white albino spiders that I'm pretty sure came from the pits of hell. Because I've never seen an albino spider before. But these are pure white albino spiders under my house. It's scary. And I don't like it. And we really need to get the new subflooring panels down. To cover up that hole. Because my god. Just no. Just, just no. I don't need these albino spiders. First off, I didn't even need to know that they existed. Number one. Alright, they're underneath the house. They're in the crawl space, whatever. Uh, you know, obviously it's going to be dirty down there. It's it's dirt and the underside of a house. It's a perfect breeding spot for insects and other crap like that. I didn't need to know that albino spiders were a thing. All right, because I, I see them and all I think is, oh my God, it must be the most poisonous spider ever. Now the water bit, the, the standing water I'm taking care of. I'm just putting one of those little pumps down there and I'm going to pump all that shit to the street. Sorry, pardon, pardon my French. And... We're going to pump all that um, water to the street and drain it out so that the water's gone. And maybe I have a little bit better working uh, environment. At least that way, if I fall through the slats, I'm not going to get wet with with whatever this dank water is. And that was the dogs going off. That was the dogs going off. So I believe the, uh, the, the good starting point would be the news that broke over the evening uh, last night. With North Korea, apparently, apparently Kim Jong-un wants to talk and meet with Donald Trump. And this is a big deal. It's a big, big deal, kind of out of the blue, kind of unexpected. Even if you take into consideration the stupid uh, 
the stupid things that have been going on, like the, the things that happened over the Olympics where the media was fawning over the North Korean cheerleaders and uh, Kim Jong-un's sister, who is the propaganda director of North Korea. I mean, literally, it was it was quite sad that the news was fawning over North Korea so hardcore during the Olympics. Um, very, very weird going on. But then last night, uh, I believe it was the South Korean minister. Well, the news article that I'm the news articles that I've read on it uh, say that it's a South Korean delegation. Uh, that was at the White House, announced this. And, and this, mind you, this is like a 70-year standoff between the U.S. And, and North Korea, and tensions have been so up and down and high and low and crazy. So many crazy different aspects to this. Listen to these clips real quick, real real quick, that were, that were uh, played last night on news stations across the globe. I told President, President Trump that in our meeting, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un said, he is committed to denuclearization. Kim pledged that North Korea will refrain from any further nuclear or missile tests. He understands that the routine joint military exercises between the Republic of Korea and the United States must continue. And he expressed his eagerness to meet President Trump as soon as possible. President Trump appreciated the briefing and said he would meet Kim Jong-un by May to achieve permanent denuclearization. The Republic of Korea, along with the United States, Japan, and our many partners around the world remain fully and resolutely committed to the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Along with President Trump, we are optimistic about continuing a diplomatic process to test the possibility of a peaceful resolution. The Republic of Korea, the United States, and our partners stand together in insisting that we not repeat the mistakes of the past and that the pressure will continue until North Korea matches its words with concrete actions. Now that is huge. That is huge news. Big, big deal right there. I mean, listen to some of the optimism that some people have for this. This is um, this clip that I have in response to this news is a former George W. Bush White House senior aide, Bradley Blakeman. Well, the resistance will never admit that Trump was able to make this breakthrough. The question is, what will come from a meeting, a face-to-face -face meeting, with the president of North Korea and the president of the United States? I, I equate this, this is the modern day Nixon goes to China. Mao was a, Mao makes this guy look like a, uh, you know, a, a choir boy compared to the, the brutal dictatorship, hermit kingdom. But look, if Trump is able to make even a modicum of difference in turning back the clock on their nuclear program, and uh, this is going to be huge, and it's going to be good for the United States. It's going to be good for the region, and uh, I think China deserves a lot of credit. The South Koreans deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, there is a lot of cause to be optimistic, I'm sure. Uh, you're talking about people, and, and you're talking about people and things 
countries, uh, such such standoff. It was you know near Cold War levels. Uh, Trump was calling him Rocket Man. Rocket Man is out here threatening the world. I I will gloss him over like he was nothing. And there was a lot of back and forth banner between our madman in chief and North Korea's madman in chief. And it, it was getting scary. Tensions were getting high. This kind of came out of the blue. Uh, even though you can read reports on Rex Tillerson claiming that it wasn't out of the blue. In fact, Rex Tillerson um, says this wasn't a surprise. Rex Tillerson, you know, he kind of went back and forth uh, Thursday from Ethiopia. He said, quote, we're a long way away from negotiations. We just need to be very clear-eyed and realistic about it. I don't know yet until we're able to meet ourselves face-to-face with representatives of North Korea whether the conditions are right to even begin thinking about negotiations. Yet after this broke, Tillerson's quoted saying, quote, saying for some time that we're open to talks and it's no surprise. However, however optimistic we get about North Korea, And mind you, here's the quote from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Quote, President Trump will accept the invitation to meet Kim Jong-un at a place and time to be determined. We look forward to the denuclearization of North Korea. In the meantime, all sanctions and maximum pressure must remain, which means that we're keeping up on everything that is current and present, which has been current and present for years, by the way. Let's not... One of the things that immediately happened with the MAGA crowd is everybody went nuts and and started jumping on Trump, singing his praises. And we can't really sing his praises. Uh, This has been so ongoing for so long. Was it his sternness? Was it his craziness? I don't know what sparked the talk. But there's a lot of optimism, but there should be doses of skepticism. In my mind, because guess what? In all that, in all this grandness, and all this this amazing, you know, turnaround that could bring peace to the world, it also, ladies and gentlemen, could be. It's a trap. Yeah, it could be a trap. It could all be just one big giant. This is a ploy. No. It's a ruse. No. It's an ambush. No. A subterfuge. No. A confining device. A snare. A box popped up with a stick. It's a trap. It's a wrap. Where's my hat? It's a trap. Sorry. Sorry. Just finally figured it out. On my way back to the office. Couldn't get it out of my head. Gotta go. That's right. It could be all of those things. That's why I say you can only have doses of skeptical, uh, like, cautious optimism but heavy, heavy skepticism. Why? Because we, we, we need to have talks with North Korea, obviously. We need to try to do something about the threatening mentality of North Korea and the threat that they pose, owning nuclear arms, continually building nuclear arms. Anything that can be done towards the advancement of peace is good, but we need to have doses of skepticism because things like this don't happen out of the blue. All right, I follow author Tom Nichols. He was the author of the book The Death of Expertise, The Campaign Against Established Knowledge and Why It Matters. Tom was also listed in the Politico 50 for 2017. He's a former U.S. Senate aide. And he has brought in the doses of skepticism 
the other side of the argument, the other view of it, that I believe people need to keep in mind when it comes to this. All over Twitter, Tom, has been all over Twitter. Um, Jeffrey Lewis is somebody that he retweeted and absolutely agreed with. And uh, Jeffrey Lewis is a foreign policy columnist. Um, and in Jeffrey Lewis's tweet, it said, P.S., to be clear, we need to talk to North Korea, but Kim is not inviting Trump so that he can surrender North Korea's weapons. Kim is inviting Trump to demonstrate that his investment in nuclear and missile capabilities has forced the United States to treat him as an equal. To which Tom said, this is the point. This should not even be remotely controversial. Among some of Tom's other tweets that stand out, all right, he tweeted Robert E. Kelly. Robert E. Kelly is a professor of political science. And in Robert Kelly's tweet, it said, quote, on the Trump-Kim summit, summits normally come at the end of a long series of negotiations at lower levels in which lots of devils in the details are hammered out. Trump, always the publicity seeker, is just diving right in, which is why the Korean Alanist community is responding. By the way, in news responses and media is talking about the uh, summit, the, here in the U.S., we're talking all about it. South Korea is talking all about it. You want to know who's not commenting on it at all? North Korea is not commenting on the on the summit at all. They're not adding anything. All right, Tom even dives back into the past in a tweet last night. Quote, I'm sorry, do we not remember how awful that photo of Albright toasting Kim Jong the second was? She took a raft of shit for that, and rightly so. And the new answer is, let's do that again, this time this time with his weird freak of a kid and a sitting president of the United States. Has everybody lost their minds? Now, I have yet to listen to my political shows today, but I can only imagine what some of the discussion is going to be from some of the political analysts and speakers that I listen to. I can't even begin to fathom. I can't even begin to fathom. I will continue forward with cautious optimism but heavy skepticism and yes that's my libertarian stance on it i'm sure there's lots of libertarian people who are sick of you know wars that are ongoing and all that and and i am too there's nothing worse than an unwinnable an un, an unwinnable war being waged constantly there's nothing worse than the loss of lives there's nothing worse than the standoffs that can happen However, if the country is like North Korea, constantly threatening you, constantly threatening other countries, and constantly being bullies, I mean, there there is different there there is exceptions to the rule of of that, and that's my my, my biggest concern is that are we walking into a trap here? Because literally, this the talk is meeting in May. In May, it's March 9th. March, April, May. Two months? Two months from now, Donald Trump is supposed to be ready to sit down with Kim Jong-un. And by the way, everybody wants to say that it's going to be all hunky-dory. I mean, yeah, let's have that hope that we can get there. But I'm not buying it yet. I'm not buying it yet. Be cautious, be, op be optimistic, but be cautious. Because who's to say that it's not all set up? And funny, this all pops off after the tariff business. Donald Trump signed a, uh, the tariffs 
border that he wanted to put through. And uh, he, uh, there's some exceptions in there for Mexico and Canada. But uh, what, you know, what about tariffs? What, what are the overall thoughts on tariffs? I wanted to play you um, just a, a couple of little quick clips here on tariffs from, from Ben Sass. You explain a trade deficit of nearly a billion dollars, $800 million. President Trump tweeting yesterday that the U.S. has lost 55,000 factories, 6 million manufacturing jobs, and has this huge trade deficit. Isn't it time for there to be something done about this? Yeah, so, so let's back up because a lot of times trade deficits on a bilateral basis are just completely misunderstood. I have a trade deficit with the grocery store. They supply a whole bunch of really good stuff that I want and I give them my money and that circulates back into the economy. Here's what actually happens when you have more trade. When you have more trade, it means that American families are buying more high quality or low cost or usually both stuff from some trading partner on the other side of a border. What happens in the U.S. is when there's more trade, we have more export markets. Nebraska, where I live, is the most productive farmland in the history of the world. We feed the world, and our economy is fundamentally dependent upon the fact that we produce better and higher quality stuff than any other farmers in the world, and so we need more markets to sell it to than just the U.S. So let's look at steel in particular. When you raise tariffs on steel, 320 million American consumers lose. Because everybody who went to the store last night and buying something for their kids or for their household that they need, there were metal products in it. And when you have tariffs, you raise prices on steel and all 320 million American consumers lose. But at the level of production, even before you get to retaliation, and let's be clear, if the president goes through with this, it will kill American jobs. There will be retaliation and specific American families and producers and workers are gonna lose. But even before you get to retaliation, if you just look at steel, this plan will kill steel jobs in America. Why? How could that be? It sounds like you'd be doing this because you're trying to help steel workers. There are 140,000 production steel mill workers in America. There are more than 5 million factory workers in America that work at factories that use steel as a primary input. When you raise the price of steel, those factory workers are going to lose jobs. There are going to be some of those 140,000 steel production workers that will benefit. There'll be lots more of the 5 million steel workers that use them as inputs that are going to suffer. Tariffs. Tariffs. Are, they, are, are tariffs really punishment or an imposement against another nation that is that we're getting an import from, that we're importing from, is it really is it really a knock on them or is it a knock on the American consumer who was going to get that product? I know what people are going to say. I know what Trumpies are going to say. You know, it's all MAGA, 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 make America great again, America first. How can you be America first if you're importing stuff from other nations? And the fact of the matter is, is that it is, it is an enemy of free trading. Now, people say America gets screwed by tariffs by these countries like China and, and a select other couple of countries. And that this is simply America leveling the playing field. But I see it more in the Ben Sass vein of that's what it's going to do. It's going to do bad. It's going to have more negative impact than it does positive impact on us. And especially right now as well, doing something against China, which is probably a key player and deserve some credit in this North Korea change in meeting with America. It's another cog in the wheel that makes me more cautious and more skeptical about these things. But a tariff, a tariff, you might as well just call it a tax. You might as well just say it's a tax. And 
that leads me to sound bites like Rand Paul right here. I have two more topics quickly on the tariffs issue now. It's starting to divide the Republican Party. Paul Ryan says it will slow down economic growth, and it may snuff out the gains Republicans have garnered over tax reform. What's your view of that? Well, it's important for everybody to remember that a tariff is a tax, and typically Republicans, conservatives, have not been for more taxes. So I'm against new tariffs. Uh, they're simply a tax on the consumer. Is the president right or wrong on this, do you think, Senator? I think, he, I think it's a wrong thing to do. If you look at steel use in our country, there are 60 people purchasing steel for every person making steel in the country. So there's a lot of people who purchase steel that are going to be hurt by this. My state alone exports $20 billion worth of products, including a lot of farm uh, agricultural products. And if there's a trade war, we stand to lose in a big way. And really, the United States will lose in a trade war. There's a host of other opinions that you can hear, but the tariffs being added, more tariffs being added, uh, almost universally you can see a lot of Republicans, uh, even a lot of uh, Democrats, just not, uh, not for the idea and, and very much against the idea. Why, well, you know, why put tariffs on in the first place? And is it really going to make that much of a difference? Is it going to do more harm than good? And so far, from what I've seen, from what I've researched, uh, George W. Bush tried doing tariffs, and they weren't at, they weren't so successful then either. So, you know, it's just that's the world that we live in right now. Now, on the gun debate, uh, Austin Peterson. We've talked about Austin Peterson on this program a lot. Um, Austin Peterson got banned from Facebook for the second time, not the first time, but the second time. Austin Peterson banned from Facebook for his AR-15 raffle. And I know what some people out there are thinking. They're thinking, this man was auctioning off weapons of war? What? Or raffling off weapons of war? And you support him? Let's let's calm down. Raffling off an AR-15 doesn't mean that whoever won the raffle just automatically gets the AR the AR-15. See, those things are subject to things like oh, I don't know, background checks and uh, legal checks and uh, firearms registration and everything that encompasses current law. That they so auctioning off an AR-15 that just anybody no, not anybody can just get it. You still have to pass everything as if you were buying that AR. It's just that Austin was giving it away. He posted a video about 12 minutes long in which he mentioned uh, he was talking about his opponents, Claire McCaskill and his uh, Republican opponent, who I can't I can't remember the name of his Republican opponent. Honestly, that's that's negative points in my column. But whatever. I already told you I was sick and trying to roll through the podcast as steadily as I can. And so Austin Peterson got suspended from Facebook for the second time. He's been suspended once prior for something similar. And Austin is, uh, I mean, you know, he's a libertarian, uh, very pro-liberty candidate who very, who speaks very frankly on on the gun issue. And, um, I mean, he, he is staunch. He does not back down from what he believes. And he's very opinionated on it. And rightfully so. Rightfully so, it's his stance, and he he does not want to compromise on his beliefs, and he won't compromise on his beliefs. So he's in Facebook jail for thirty days again, uh, and just just simply because Facebook apparently does not like the guy. Uh, in fact, somebody, uh, a buddy of mine from work, a sergeant, a former marine, and still active duty 
in the Army now, I believe, or the Reserve, at least. Um, he was he was just posting about how one of his Facebook groups was uh, temporarily banned for looking at violations of Facebook user terms and agreements. And it was a, a, a group called, like, Black Rifle something or the other. But it was, you know, these guys who are rifle enthusiasts who, you know, it's their job. He, he, my buddy, is, you know, a, very much a firearms enthusiast, much in the same vein that my father was a firearms enthusiast, uh, in that he collects historical pieces. He has them um, from, you know, as far back as the early 1900s, and he has this deep appreciation for them that's wrapped in, in history and his military service and everything else, and and now you can be scrutinized for that on Facebook just because, you know, Facebook no likey the boom boom sticks. And I get it. I get that Facebook as a entity that allows you to use it freely under their terms. I mean, it is a website. It's at the end of the day, Facebook open to the public but is subject to the rules that they want to create. Same thing with Twitter. We've had this battle with Twitter. Twitter silencing accounts, deactivating accounts, not verifying certain accounts. If you want something that's interesting in the Parkland student case, there was a student named uh, Kyle Kashev who is now starting to rise up in notoriety uh, because he is different from the vocal Parkland students that the media was parading around for the gun control bits. Kyle Kashev is a Second Amendment respecter. He was also a victim at Parkland. He was in that tragedy, but he's the one, he's one standing up saying, you know, yeah, we have to defend the Second Amendment, we have to find something to do. He seems more the bipartisan option. Out of all those students, he seems to be a bipartisan one. Now, all the other Parkland students almost immediately got blue check marks on their Twitter accounts and got millions of followers following them. Kyle, for probably two or three weeks, no check mark, no verification, and remain that way until about a week or so ago when Twitter finally verified him. And I think Twitter verified him because he was making more news appearances and was popping up on more news programs trying to have a dialogue about it. Ha- trying to have an open dialogue about it from both sides of the spectrum. Whereas the other side is only one side of the spectrum. So Kyle Kushev is somebody interesting to check out. But... That social media trying to control the banter and what's going on. That's that's rising up. And so Austin Peterson now is in Facebook jail during actively during his campaign for Missouri Senate while these organizations and people are donating actively to his opponent's campaign does seem a little one-sided. The fact that he gets canned for a video in which he states his support for the Second Amendment and announces a raffle for an AR-15, which is a totally legal contest, following to the T the letter of the law. Like, nobody... Some people would say it's irresponsible that he's raffling off an AR-15. Nobody can actually get that AR-15 if they can't pass the background checks and are legally okay to own it. So, it's no different than if somebody was auctioning off a Nintendo Switch, a car... Um, a, a jet airplane or anything 
of the matter. So why is Austin Peterson banned? You tell me. I mean, maybe it did violate the terms and the rules, and maybe we should be fighting Facebook on those terms and rules because we are the consumers that are using the product at the end of the day, correct? And if as all this information wasn't enough, now the Trump administration is teasing sanctions on Russia. Sanctions that were agreed upon last year finally coming into play now. And that just throws a whole another wrench into this giant system of things that are going on. It's nuts. It's crazy. So, let's sit back and gather some information here. Tariffs, bad, uh, dumb, for shame. North Korea, cautious optimism, lots of heavy skepticism, and... Oh, yeah, and Facebook, let Austin Peterson back on. Jesus Jesus Christ, what the hell? Let Austin Peterson back. Don't suspend his account for, for 30 freaking days because he posted a video of boomsticks that you didn't like. And it wasn't even a threatening video. There was nothing threatening. There was nothing really violating the terms and conditions. He didn't even have a picture of a real AR. He had a hand-drawn AR-15 on a piece of paper. And his account is suspended for what? Because they don't like him. At the end of the day, they don't they just don't like him. That's all it is. So guys, obviously, I packed a lot of information in this episode for 30 minutes. There's a lot more that I'd like to talk about. But of course, you've heard in my voice that I am sick. And I'm just getting over the sickness. I've worked three overtimes this week. Which is a little hectic. So I am cutting it out now. I hope... That you found some useful information in here. If hey, if you don't ag- if you don't agree with me, whatever brought you here, whether it was Facebook, Twitter, whatever, I'm open to your comments. I'm open to your dialogue, and I'm open to having those things because I'm that kind of a person. So feel free to leave a comment here on SoundCloud at my email fritzcastpodcast at gmail on my Twitter at f r i t z q s on the Twitter. And on Facebook.com slash FritzCast. I'm open to dialogue. I want to talk about these things. We need to talk about these things more and in depth. If you think I'm wrong, say I'm wrong. And say why you think I'm wrong. I'm totally open to that. I'm totally cool with that. But, guys, I hope you have a good week. I hope that we can have some good developments on this North Korea thing. I hope that we could get rid of the tariffs. That's kind of dumb. And I hope that we can get... Austin Peterson back on Facebook. He's probably going to serve all 30 days of the suspension, and it is what it is, but let's not silence him out. Austin Peterson, man, it'd be great to have him on this show, wouldn't it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. All right, guys, love you, and I'll see you next week.